and will be done. But we're living undoubtedly, I don't have to spend a lot of time on this really, but we are really living in unprecedented times. We're watching those of us who are, uh, I don't know, uh, if you're 40 years or older, uh, which a lot of us in here are, uh, 50 and a lot, a lot of you in here are, did I say us yet? 50? Eh, anyway, there's older people in here, and you know this, listen, you know, we are living in unprecedented times. We're watching the disintegration of the home. We're watching the disintegration of a nation. We're watching the distortion of God's creation. We're watching this thing called gender dysphoria and, and, and uh, chemical mutilation of bodies. We're watching things of child sacrifice. I like what somebody said not too long ago. It, it's one thing to, to have, quote, abortion for the sake of the mother or the child, which we all reject totally. But even those that want to go to that level, we're beyond that when you can say you can murder a child at birth or now even after birth actually all that is is just child sacrifice we're just back to the times of offering children up to Molech it's really no different at all and we can see in our nation that we're living in some really unprecedented times we're watching the explosion of technology I was on a plane one time going from Chicago to Boston about 10 years ago next to me was a man by the uh, maybe I won't say his name online but he was the head of the physics department of Brandeis University in Boston. We had a great conversation for two hours. And uh, in that conversation, almost 10 years ago, he said, we are so close to AI, it's exciting. And now we're living at a time where it's frightening. It's frightening. No, I believe we're getting back to the place of the Tower of Babel again. Remember what God says, if he didn't come down, he said, then nothing shall be impossible to them. They were coming with the the collective human mind, which is an incredible thing, and coming up with things that were way too early to be coming up with. And we're getting to that again. It's incredible. It's it's frightening to watch AI that they can program to have to have some type of uh, a reasoning process now, and it's it's just unbelievable the days that we're living in. The churches in America have never been more carnal than they are today. I know this isn't exciting, but it's just a fact. The genuine desire to live a holy life. It's like it's like a it's like a bygone era you're you're classified either as a legalist or a puritan if you just want to live how god i'm not listen i'm not saying we live perfect but it's that inner heart desire to please our heavenly father who rescued us from hell i mean why not would we not want to try to do whatever he would want us to do and i mean it's it's we're living in a time of carnality that that uh, it just seems like there, there's the, the, the dearth of convictions about what the Bible call, calls sin. And, and uh, you become this target. Uh, the more you stand on the Word of God, you become a target uh, by those who think they are enlightened, who want to stay in their sin and, uh, and serve God at the same time. What a, what, what a paradox. What a, what a confusion. What an impossibility that is. And it gets discouraging at times. Uh, no doubt we live in a day that we get discouraged. We are at the end of the end. We are at the time of a great falling away, at least in the United States of America. We live in a time of constant fear of war. We live in a, a time that the world has. I mean, we don't, I mean, friend, we, we don't live in constant fear, right? We, we don't have the spirit of fear anymore. We have that spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. But the world lives in a, in a case of, uh, of constant fear and a constant fear of war, constant fear of another pandemic. And there's another one there. Don't worry. They're working on a new one. Don't get, don't, 
Don't worry about that. And it seems, it seems like the effectiveness of the church of Jesus Christ is coming to an end. Let me say that again. It seems like if you were to look out uh, across the, the panoply of, 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 the United, of, of churches in the United States of America, it would seem like churches are losing their effectiveness in our nation. It seems like very few are getting saved. It seems like atheism is on the rise. It seems like with a 24-hour news cycle and non, there is a, this non-stop uh, river of news about church abuse and church scandal and pastor abuse and pastors caught in immorality and in great sin. And it, it, it is happening, all right? Some of it may be a lie, but a lot of it's true. And, uh, the, and we are living, uh, judgment must begin at the house of God. Hey, we're living in a time where they have stopped church discipline, proper church discipline, and now the world mocks us because we haven't taken care of sin like we ought to. But maybe if we had taken sin, care of sin like we ought to have, the world wouldn't be mocking us. But I'm just telling you, we're living in a time where it seems like, it seems like the church is becoming ineffective with the gospel of where we're living. It's not the easiest time to live. I was at a preacher's meeting and a young man asked an older man, uh, pastored up in North Missouri for a long time, and he said, Brother so-and-so, I'm not going to tell his name, but he said, Brother, what would you advise a young preacher? He said, Boy, I don't know. He said, God's raising up a, a special kind of man to preach these days. We're not dealing with what you dealt with. We had it easy. We're in a different day, friend. We definitely are. And you know what is possible? You look at churches, you look at our society, you look at your children, you look at your grandchildren. You see where some of them are. It's real easy to lose hope, isn't it? It is real easy to go, okay, sirrah, sirrah, what'll be, will be. No, I'm not saying you're losing hope in God himself. But it's, I'm not saying you're quitting God, right? But it's easy to say, eh, right? My grandfather was diagnosed with diabetes at about 92 years of age <laughs> back in two, 1999 or somewhere around there. Yeah, 1999. He was 92, diagnosed with diabetes. They may, oh, you got to change your diet. You got to do this. And he was doing his blood test and it was like a blood bath because his blood was so thin. It was, looked like a murder scene every time he tried to check his blood thing. And, and he was, I mean, he couldn't keep his blood sugar. You know what he finally said? I'm going to eat what I want. Who cares? 92. Who cares, right? And he went back. He didn't eat poorly, but it was just like, I don't care anymore. No, listen, we can get that way. We can get that way when we look out at the scene around us and say, what does it matter anymore? What does it matter? You know, our text today handles this, actually. God knew that we'd be living in this day, and God has an answer for us this morning. What do you do when you lose hope? What do you do? What do you do when it just kind of seems like it's kind of pointless to go on? Can I tell you, number one, you need to, we need to remember the plan of God. I, I'm going to take some time to work up to verses 13 and 14 here. But I'm going to give some backstory and I'm going, to, I'm going to run up to it. But we need to remember the plan and the purpose of God. What was it? Well, we all know this in this room that Adam sinned and God brought Adam and Eve and the serpent into judgment. And don't forget that. God brings everybody into account who's guilty. Everybody has an answer for God for their actions. A Adam had a response, uh, answer for his role. Eve uh, answered for her role. And the serpent 
answered for him, allowing Satan to use him to do what he did. All of them came into judgment, and all of them were brought in. What was the judgment? Well, Eve, to Eve it was said, well, your husband's going to rule over you. Sorry, Missy. Sorry about your luck. You can thank Eve later. But uh, uh, I think they'll have a, their special place in heaven away from everybody, really. Cause, I don't know. It might not be good. No, it'll be good. But he, listen, Eve, he, God told Eve, your, your husband's going to rule over you, and you're going to have multiplied, I know somebody may argue with me on this one, it's okay, multiplied sorrow and conception. That's an interesting thought. You can go back and look at it. It's what it says. He said, I'll multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. You can think about that this week and spend some time on that. But to Adam, he says, you're going to uh, earn your wage by the sweat of your brow. I'm going to, there's going to be thorns and thistles, I love this, for thy sake. Yeah, you can think about that one this week too. There's a lot in Genesis to think about. And, and, and God told Adam, you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. You're going to produce something that, that with, with hard labor that is going to be difficult to do. And to the serpent, he says, you're going to go on your belly. No more feet for you. And you're going you're gonna to eat and lick up the dust of the ground for the rest of your time on this planet. And we see that has happened. And the judgment was also, in this judgment though, was also redemption. God didn't just discipline, hallelujah, right? God already had a plan for when the fall took place. We looked at that in our, in our Sunday school lesson of God bringing Israel out of Egypt. God had a plan for Israel to bring them out. And God, he, he had a plan for when the fall took place. Listen to me, the fall of Adam was no afterthought. No, we don't believe in a predetermined fall. We are not reformed theology. We don't believe God caused Adam to sin. God, Adam was able to sin of his own free will. But God had a plan put in place before them. It was, it was a part of the judgment of the serpent. Now follow this, Genesis 3.15, the proto-evangelum, the, the, the gospel in Genesis 3.15, and he told the, ser the serpent, God said to the serpent, he's telling, telling Satan, and I will put enmity between, uh, between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. Wait a minute. Women don't have seed. Do, I don't need to go through biology, right? <laughs> yeah. Her seed. What was that? Well, it was going to be, it was going to be God, the Son of God. Between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The seed of the woman is coming. This is the good news. This is the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're going to bruise his heel. He's going to be hung up on Calvary. It's going to look like you've won, but he's going to take away all of your authority. And Jesus is going to say that, that all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Jesus is going to crush the head of Satan. And so in the judgment was also redemption. God had a plan to save the world. And watch this now. As long as people are being born into the world, God has a plan to save them. As long as breath is being breathed on this planet, as long as God has not decided that it was time for him to come back, as long as the church is on this planet, listen, people, people can be saved. Amen? Are we good with that? Yeah. Participation sport. All right. You can talk back to me. Sorry. No, don't talk back, but you know what I mean. God's been doing a, a work of redemption. It was all pictured throughout all of the Old Testament. 
Adam and Eve, God killed an animal. Cain and Abel, God accepted a blood sacrifice. The exodus out of Egypt, the blood was applied over the door. The ceremonial laws of the blood sacrifice all throughout the Old Testament, it pointed to one thing, that there must be a perfect lamb and that blood must be shed. And from Genesis 3:15 and forward, everything pointed to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, the seed of the woman, right? We just saw Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth. And he said, he'll stand on the earth someday. And he said, though in, in my flesh rot and, and my bones are in the grave, he said, he said this, I know this, in my flesh I shall see God. I love that. The, the coming Messiah. Abraham knew this when, when Isaac said, where's the lamb, Father? And he said, God will provide himself the lamb. While preparing to sacrifice his very own begotten son, he said that God is going to provide himself the lamb. Jacob said, Shiloh will come. Moses said, a prophet's going to come like unto your brother. And Isaiah said, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, All Almighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. 2,000 years after Abraham brought Isaac to sacrifice on the same mountains of Moriah, 2,000 years later, uh, God brought his own lamb up, the, up that hill of Moriah and brought him up to Calvary. And Jesus said, I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. And there Jesus, the harmless, spotless lamb of God, was slain slain from the foundation of the world and slain that day on Calvary in actuality. And the blood came down and the blood was accepted by God. Yeah. He's been doing the work of redemption, friend. And watch, it's still going on today. He's still doing it today. Yeah. He's used two... Let me go on number three if you're trying to follow me at all. Hard to follow. Number three, he's only used two vehicles for this mission. He's used two vehicles. The first one was Israel. God chose Abraham. Remember this? He gave them land. He gave them the oracles of God. They got the word of God. The scribes copied the law and they copied the word of God. He gave them the prophets. And from this lineage was going to come the Messiah himself. They rejected Jesus. They crucified Jesus. And so God put that vehicle in the garage. He's going to deal with it later. It's broke down. It's not working. It's not doing what is. How many's ever had a vehicle? It just wouldn't. It just, it just wouldn't do right. And you just parked it. And he said, we're just going to go buy another one. I'll deal with you later, right? My uncle had one of these. Oh, what a shame. 68 383 Challenger. Charger. It was a Charger. Sat under a tree behind the barn for 30 years. My aunt drove it home. It was smoking out of the radiator, and they parked it. I'm like, you just parked it. He sold it one day. His, my, my cousin showed him how to get on eBay and sold it. I said, what'd you get for it? He goes, huh, more than I paid for it. I was like, he probably, that guy probably got way less than he, he probably got a pretty good deal. No, sometimes you just park the car, man, and you deal with it later. God took Israel, put him in the garage, and he brought out another vehicle called the church. Jesus, it was started by the Lord Jesus Christ. It was empowered at Pentecost. It was given, it was given the, the, the great commission by the Lord Jesus Christ to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. The church, watch, we have been watching this in Ephesians. It has always been in the plan of God. It was the mystery of God. Not that it could not be known, but that it was not known until it was revealed. It was the mystery of God. And the church is such a marvel that we saw a few weeks ago that the angels of 
God stand there and they watch what goes on in the church. See, these angels, they've been with God at every step of the way. They've been with them at every point of, of, of redemption, of the plan of redemption. They've been with them. They were there at Genesis 3.15. They were there at the flood. They were there at the exodus. They were there at all of the miracles. Can I remind you? One of the angels of God uh, wiped out 185,000 Assyrians in one night. No, listen, the angels of God have been there the whole time. They were there at the birth of Jesus Christ. They were there through the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were there at the darkest day at Calvary. And yet they were there at the resurrection when the women went in. And he said, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, as he said. You know, go tell the disciples. Go bring him. Show him where he once laid. I was in that, in that tomb back in 2019, the supposed tomb. And I, I say it every time. It makes me so happy. I just got to say it. It's still empty. He's not there, and I'm so thankful for that. Amen. It's all a miracle. It's all a mirac- It's all miraculous. But at no point did the angels in any of this see the manifold w- wisdom of God. Right? We saw this two weeks ago, right? Or three weeks ago, whenever it was. It was in the church that the angels saw and witnessed the manifold wisdom of God. What is that manifold? All of these different things, all of the work of redemption came together in the church, and it was seen there. And the angels go, whoa, that's what this was? This is awesome. Genesis 3.15, oh, that was wisdom. The flood, that was wisdom. That sure was. The sacrificing of the lambs, wisdom. Calvary, wisdom. The resurrection, oh, that was wisdom. But every individual act of God, every individual act of the wisdom of God, all of these acts came together into the church. And to the angels, it was incomprehensible. Why? Why is the church such a marvel to them? (laughs) It is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth while Christ is in heaven. He said, I must go away. If I don't go away, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter can't come. Why did we have to have the comforter? Because we had had the same indwelling that he had. Why? Because the third person of the Godhead has a job to do in redemption. And the drawing of 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 the lost to Christ. Watch, when they are watching the churches of Jesus Christ, they are witnessing the very same work Jesus was doing while he was here on planet Earth. Hold on a minute. This is where the hope lies in a hopeless world. It's, watch, it's in the church that we see the plan of God. It's in the church that we see the purpose of God. It's in the church that we see the power of God. It's in the church that we see the propagation of the gospel of God. This is the hope to a hopeless world. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what Oswald Chambers said. He said, the Christian must never forget that salvation is God's thought, not man's. Therefore, it is an unfathomable abyss. You can't reach the end of it. Salvation, redemption, it's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the church that carries the good news of the gospel to the entire world. It's the church that is the greatest organism in all of God's creation. It belongs to God. It was purchased with the very blood of God. And the church will be here until the saints are caught up with the rapture. The church is going to be here. Hey, friend, watch this. I know, listen, the Bible doesn't say the, the rapture of the church. It's the catching away of the saints. All of the born again, they're going to go up in the rapture, friend. But listen, you have to have saved believers to have a church. And if all the saints are going up, listen, there ain't a church left here on planet earth when the saints are up. Yeah. 
We don't have time to delve into that. You'll be here till one. Pentecostals will beat you to lunch today. They, they, they're about the late. You're, never, they're late. They have long services. If the church is still here until the catching away, that means the gospel is still being preached. It means people are still getting saved. It means the saved are still getting baptized into a body. It means the body of Christ is still growing. Watch. And this will continue until Jesus takes us out. It's going to go on. So it's this understanding that strengthens us when we lose hope. Would you look at verse 8 in our text? You didn't think I'd get there. That was all introduction. I'm just kidding. Paul says, Unto me whom less than the least of all the saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, verse 13, here it is, wherefore I desire that you faint not at my tribulation for you which is your glory. Do you see that in verse 13? Wherefore, where, where is the four? F-O-R, where is the four? Well, it's verses 8 through 12. The church. The church that angels watch. The church that manifests the, 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 the manifold wisdom of God. Because the church of Jesus Christ is still operating on planet earth, the apostle Paul says, for this, uh, in, in, wherefore I desire that you, look at this, faint not. Faint not. Faint means to be utterly spiritless, to be wearied, to, be, to lose courage, to be faint of heart. Now, he mentions it other places, doesn't he? Second Thessalonians, not only, not only Ephesians 3.13, this is easy to, easy to remember, Second uh, uh, Thessalonians 3.13. But ye brethren, be not weary in well-doing. He says it again over in 2 Corinthians 4, 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we receive mercy. We have received mercy. We faint not. Over in Galatians 6, 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for we shall, in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Listen to me today. We lose heart. We faint. We lose uh, courage. We become faint of heart. Watch this. When we believe the current remedy isn't working. And you know what people think? The church doesn't work. No, this is why you have home church. This is why you have people say, well, we do our own little church on the lake after we fish or before we fish. You know? Oh, you know. You say, well, I thought it was the Lord's Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we, we recognize it our own way. I thought Jesus started his church. Obviously, you have your church and he has his church, Right. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, right? What do we? What? What? How does this come about? Sometimes, sometimes it comes back about because people lose hope and they believe that it doesn't work anymore. The current remedy isn't working, friend. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the vehicle, God's vehicle, the church. He hasn't put it in the garage yet. 
it's working just fine. It's running just fine. Amen. Come on. I'll amen me. Uh, listen, it is truth. It is working just fine. And listen, ask somebody with chronic illness. When the, med is, when the meds quit working, what do they do? They just kind of, uh, oh well. Ask the individual with, ca- with cancer that's gone through the chemo, that has gone through the radiation, and the doctor comes back and says it's, it hasn't stopped the growth. Right? What are, they, what are they doing? They lose heart when the remedy quits working. And the world, as the world gets worse and worse and worse, it seems like the remedy isn't working. It seems like the Word of God doesn't work. It seems like the knocking on doors doesn't work. It seems like uh, ha- passing out tracts doesn't work. It seems like uh, sticking with, with, with just the Word of God and sticking with the Bible, it seems like it doesn't work. It seems like if just singing the hymns and preaching the Bible and going out soul winning and things like that, it seems like it doesn't work while the, while the mega churches are growing and all, uh, supposedly all of these things. It seems like it doesn't work. Friend, it's, listen, according to the Word of God, that's not true. It's not true. Can I tell you, the cross of Calvary looked like the greatest colossal failure in history, but it wasn't. It was the greatest work ever in history. Paul says, faint not. Faint not. If your children walked away from God, faint not. If your grandkids being raised in a way that just boggles your mind, faint not. Faint not. Your family still mocking you, don't faint. Keep working. You've handed out 25,000 tracts in the same town. Don't faint. Don't faint. Come on. Yeah. I was up in upstate New York and I heard this young man preach that day. A wonderful message. And he told about his mother would hand a tract out to the same lady at work day after day after day. And the lady's like, I have a stack of these at home. Quit, quit giving me. You know? He says, can I tell you what? When that lady did get saved, he goes, my mother didn't get to lead her to the Lord, but my mother was the first person she called after she was one to the Lord. Listen, don't faint, don't faint, don't faint. He says, don't faint, look at this, at my tribulations for you. That's interesting. Isn't it interesting that we see other people's troubles and we can get discouraged almost like they're ours? Now think about this. They, they do polling in the United States of America. They do polling. They say, what do you think of the condition of the economy? Oh, it's terrible. 80% terrible. What do you think about your condition personally? 75%. Oh, it's fine. Okay, 80% know it's bad, but the 75% of the 80% think they're just doing just fine. Which, like, you are a part of the whole, right? <laughs> you know? No, sometimes we look at other people's trials and tribulations and we think, oh, yeah, it's terrible out there. It's horrible out there. It's, 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 it's awful out there. Can I tell you something, folk? There are churches that are still growing today. There are people that are still getting saved today. Listen, Crimson Avenue Baptist Church has a long road ahead of us, have a long road behind us, but we still have a long road ahead of us. And listen, people are still going to get saved, and they're still going to come to Christ, and God is still going to be faithful in His church, and the Word is still going to go out, and it's still going to grow, and lives are still going to change that are going to be changed for eternity that we'll never see in our lifetime. It's going to happen. Why? Because He's faithful, and it's His Word, and it's true. Yeah. kind of think some of you don't believe it. I've tried it. Sometimes, listen, sometimes you get down in the mouth because you're watching somebody else's trials. Paul says, he says, faint not at my tribulations. 
Now, his tribulations, he says, were for you. What, what was going on, right? Well, Paul was sitting in a prison in Rome writing this letter. <laughs> they could look at it and go, boy, that's where we're going to end up. I bet we're all going to be in prison, right? Maybe not. But you know what? If you do end up in prison, right? Paul, what are you going to do? I don't know. I guess I'll write a few letters. I got plenty of time. Write a couple letters. Write, yeah. I don't know, what percentage of the Bible, of the New Testament. Just sit down and write. Yeah. Don't faint. Don't, Paul says, don't faint at my tribulation for you. Look what he says. It's your glory. It's your glory. He had no, listen, he had no idea how this letter the inspired Word of God, inspired by the Holy Ghost of God. He had no idea how that letter would affect the churches for the next 2,000 years and beyond. But he knew, listen, but he knew his tribulation would help somebody else. What's he saying? The tribulation is worth it because of what it accomplishes. It's for your glory. It's for your strengthening. It's for you, it's, watch, it's for you to bring to, come to a place to praise God. What am I saying this morning? The plan of redemption is still in operation today, folks. God is still on His throne. The Holy Spirit of God is still drawing hearts and souls. He's still drawing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is still the vehicle for the gospel. People are still coming to Christ Lives are still being changed. Souls are still being rescued from hell. Yes, there's going to be tribulation. Of course there is. Jesus told us there would be. Isn't it amazing what we get shocked at? Uh, finally, I, I'm approaching this, this milestone of a half a century on the planet, and I'm just finally shocked like, yeah, I know, okay. Every time like there's, there's opposition to doing good, to doing the will of God, it's like I'm finally coming to the place going, well, of course, that's what he said. For half the other century, I'm shocked at it. Like, oh, I thought it would all go well. <laughs> yeah, we're dumb. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be people that say no. There's going to be people that walk away. Right? We are warned. Those that, listen, uh, it goes, remember where it says, uh, uh, and they went out from us because they were not of us. If they were of us, they no doubt would not have gone out from among us. There are those that are going to go out from, uh, from us, friends. There are those that are going to leave. Why? They have a free will just like you do. And there are some going to say no. But hey, hold on a minute. Don't, fo- don't worry, but don't focus on that. There are also many that are going to say yes. There are many that are going to humble their heart before God. Yeah. And with repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to put their faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus. They're out there. Don't faint. Don't lose courage. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Don't stop. Regardless of how great the persecution gets, can I give you this fun fact? To kill a body, the best way to kill a body is take off a head. And our head's in heaven. And they can't get to them. It's alive and well. It's doing just fine. Absolutely. At the close of a battle, 
at the close of a war, at the, towards the end of a war, battles can get hotter and hotter sometimes until they come to an end. It was two atomic bombs that finally brought a close to World War II. Literally, pretty hot battles. Can I remind you today? We win. We win. We win. We win. I like that word, win. Anybody not like win? We win. When we lose hope and quit doing the things that we thought would remedy a problem, the way to remedy the hopelessness Follow my crazy thinking. The way to remedy hopelessness is to return to the remedy. What are you saying? Stay in the body. Keep preaching the gospel. Keep handing out tracts. Keep praying. Keep reading. Keep singing. Keep rejoicing. Keep telling other people about Jesus. Keep giving. Oh, I can't believe I almost forgot that one. Keep giving. <laughs> The way to remedy hopelessness is to return to the remedy. Faint not, saints. Faint not. Don't give in. Don't give in. Is there anything that you may need to get back to doing? Maybe hopelessness has affected you. Maybe hopelessness has affected your prayer life and you thought, well, what's the point? I think really that's probably one of the first things that goes in the remedy. It's the easiest thing because Paul said prayer is labor. We labor night and day in prayer for you. And it is a labor, isn't it? It's a fight of the flesh. And it's funny how isn't that seems like it's the first thing that goes is our prayer life. Why? Because we lose hope. So what's the point? Yeah. We have theology out here that's teaching that God predestines everything and does everything and there's nothing you can do with it. Boy, that's hopeless. Why pray? Why? I wish their logic would follow that, but it doesn't. Is there anything you need to get back to doing today? Maybe you need to call some family. Maybe you need to write a new prayer list and start, a, start again. Maybe you need to arm yourself with tracks again and stuff your pockets and your purses with tracks again and just be ready. Yeah. Maybe you need to be giving again. What, listen, listen whatever, listen, whatever it is, Whatever, wherever you have lost hope, wherever you have lost hope, the remedy is just to get back and do what God has told you to do. Remember when Elijah was at Mount Carmel and he said, oh, I'm the only one left. I'm it. There's nobody else besides me. And God came up. Remember the wind and the earthquake and the fire came through. God wasn't in those. And finally, it's still small voice. And Elijah said it again. I, it's, I, I alone am left. It's, it's just me. Everybody has forsaken me. What did God say? 7,000 haven't bowed their knee to Baal, Elijah, okay? And then what did he say? Get up, watch, go anoint the king in his place and go essentially get your replacement. What was he telling them? Just go back to work. You want to battle discouragement? Go back and do what God told you to do in the first place. That's what he told Elijah to do. Just go back and do what you're told to do. We lose hope. We lose hope, but we gain it back. We gain it back when we just return to the remedy. May God help us in that today. Father, 
We're not Pollyannish. We don't have our head in the sand. We don't have on rose-colored glasses. Lord, we know these are difficult days. But you're still greater than any day that can come on this planet. And your word is still truer than anything that could ever come out of the mouths of the people on this planet. You are still more powerful than anything that could ever come up against you and against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just need a little encouragement maybe today. Father, it could be that there's somebody in this place that has lost hope somewhere. They haven't quit you. They haven't quit believing you. They haven't quit trusting you to a place. But they've just got this overall spirit of hopelessness. God, we ask you today, your Holy Spirit would just do a great work of encouragement today and that we'd all get back to just doing the work. You haven't called us home yet. There's still a work to do. God, would you help us to do it? In Jesus' name, amen. You may want to pray. We are. The instrument's going to play. We don't have time of invitation. You might want to pray where you are and spend some time with the Lord, out of however the Lord has spoken to you. We don't have the, the altars up here in this little place right now. When you're done praying, you can stand and we'll be closed. But you spend some time with the Lord this morning. You need some encouragement. That's where it's at. The Holy Spirit of God spoke to you in a certain way. Maybe you need to get down right where you are and spend some time with the Lord and ask Him for the encouragement. Faint not, saints. Faint not. And friend, we're not, we're not, uh, not fainting just because our redemption draws nigh and we're looking close for the, 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 the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, friend, we faint not because we win. Not just because we're waiting to get out. <laughs> we don't have to faint because we're winning. When you finish up, just go ahead and stand and then we'll be closed here in a minute. Good to see everybody out this morning. What a blessing, what a beautiful day. And uh, we'll try to figure out how the air conditioning works in this little spot. So, and uh, good to see everybody. Uh, Greet everyone on the way out. Say something nice to somebody. How's that? Something encouraging.
And uh, that would be great. We'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock. Brother Davidson, would you close us on a word of prayer this morning? Again, our-